Welcome to this College Sports Conversations podcast presented by the NCAA. I'm Corbin McGuire, the host for this conversation with Eugene Daniels, a former football player at Colorado State, who also served as a Division I SAC chair during his time at Colorado State. Daniels is now a White House correspondent for Politico, and he also co-authors its flagship newsletter, Playbook. One important thing to note before we start the interview, this conversation was recorded in February, so some segments aren't as timely now as they were when they were recorded. Uh, for instance, Daniels had not been to a White House press briefing when we recorded, um, and he's since been to several and even flown on Air Force Two to cover the vice president. So just an FYA there. Uh, the bulk of the interview, however, is still very relevant, and it really speaks to how Daniels has carried his student-athlete experience forward into the professional world uh, in a positive manner. So we hope you enjoy. From SAC chair to the White House correspondent, just how did you get here? So weird. Um, it's a loaded question. How did I get here? Um, so when I was in college and um, like football was kind of going not great because I had this torn shoulder um, and I was changing my major from like political science to journalism and I did every single thing you could do in student media I did we had like a tv show like a like a anchor show I was, so I was a news anchor reporter um we had the newspaper so I was on the um editorial board I had like a column I had a, had a radio show I was on the magazine staff and then I did like this weird late night talk show and I was doing this at the same time I was the chick it was called Daniels After Dark which is looking back that is exactly what a college student would call <laughs> a late night. So it was at like 9.30. It was like not super. Now I would consider it late night because right. I'm 32. Um, <laughs> but so, um, and I just got, I became obsessed with just kind of doing it all in, in, in journalism um, writ large. And at the same time, I was doing SAC, um, both, you know, on the, at the school, um, at the conference level, and obviously, um, being vice chair and then chair of the national stack, which I still look back as this kind of like, no matter, like, I still look back like, wow, I that what a weird thing that happened in my life. Like, I just, like, I had never anticipated um, anything like that. And I think even to this day, I still talk to a lot of the people that, um, that we were, you know, we were together and doing that with um, some of the liaisons. And so um, I started my career on local television. And I had this vision in my head that I was going to go from, you know, a smaller market to a, a medium size and a bigger market in New York. And I was going to be um, like Savannah Guthrie or Oprah or something like that. And that was kind of like, as a, it's, it's hilarious thinking like that is what, how a 21 year old is like, I can do that. I can be Oprah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> someone needs to replace her. Um, and so I was in local TV. And it was great. I learned a lot in local TV, um, but you know there are some things about it that I was. I think I was ready for a change, and so I got into um, digital t uh, digital journalism. So I worked at Newsy and moved to Missouri um, for a year and a half, which was interesting because it was a college town. So I was in Columbia, and I was like twenty six. Um, and being 26 in a college town when you're not in college, <laughs> you're like, this is, oh, there, maybe college students are crazy. Maybe I was crazy as a college student. Um, and so I was there for a year and a half and 
was covering politics um, at some point for them. I did the DNC. Um, I interviewed Jill Stein, covered Ted Cruz. So like I've done quite a bit um, in that 2016 um, primary for both Republicans and Democrats. And um, I kind of, they started opening up a DC branch and they, I was one of the people they moved out here also because I told them I wanted to. Like I was like, I wanna move to DC. And they were like, interesting. And then they did, I moved here. Um, and then 2018 Politico kind of snatched me up. Um, and which was weird. I had never been poached before. I'd always like been like most people like begging for a job at different places. Um, and so they poached me and I started there in 2018 during the midterms on the, just on the video team. Um, and I always loved this idea because my degree was in both like broadcast journalism and news editorial writing, I think is what it was called. It's been a while since I looked at it. It was like basically like writing for paper, for print and also um, broadcast. And I love the idea. I always loved the idea of doing both. And, and so I basically asked, because um, I was on the 2020 team as the video person. And I had Andrew Yang wasn't being covered. He had just kind of like started to blow up. We didn't have anyone covering him. And so I was like, I'll cover him. He'll probably be out next week. You know, I'll write a few stories. Um, and so then I had, I started this kind of dual role of video and print. So I was covering a top six um, presidential candidate. I participated, you know, we hosted a political and PBS teamed up and hosted a democratic primary debate. My candidate made it. So I played Andrew Yang for the moderators um, of, of, of the debate on, you know, with them like every Saturday and Sunday for weeks, like saying, parroting what he would have said, um, which was just like sort of a strange experience and one an amazing experience. We went to LA, um, obviously in Iowa and, and um, New Hampshire and all of those good things. Sorry, that is not a dryer. Um, and all of that stuff. and. I was still doing it as this kind of dual role of, of print and video. Um, and my editor, um, one of the best people on earth, Carrie Buddha from, we were talking about what I was gonna do next. And she was like, do you wanna stay in video? Do you wanna do print? I was like, well, I don't wanna do like the hard work in video because video is not easy to do, right? Like it's really hard um, as someone who's done it for a long time. And so she kind of pitched to me, they pitched to me this idea of covering being on the White House team. 100% a surprise. I had, that was not at all what I was thinking. I kind of pitched this thing where I would like basically rebrand re, re this old brand that they had at Politico um, called Off Message. And I would like interview the new power players in DC kind of thing. It was kind of innocuous and nebulous. Um, and they're like, well, how would you like to do that, but do it while covering the person who was the perfect example of new power player and cover Kamala Harris? And I was like, huh? They was like, literally, like, I'm sorry, what? Um, and so then, you know, so then I was put on the White House team to cover the vice president, the second gentleman, and the first lady. And then a few weeks later, um, Carrie came to me and was like, so Playbook, which is our kind of like flagship newsletter. Um, and she was like, we want you to be on Playbook. And I was like, what? And she, we were like, it was like kind of early and it was like 8.30 conversation. Um, and I was, I really had not, like I was not, I was already like getting my head around the White House gig, yeah. um, 
which was already stressful enough. And then they were like, oh, do you want to be on our biggest newsletter? Um, and so I did that too. And so now I do both of those things. I, my, I straddle this these two worlds, but you know, the stuff I do for the White House team goes in the playbook, obviously. Um, yeah, I guess that's kind of a roundabout way to how I got here. It sounds like a little bit, it sounds busy, actually. It sounds very busy <laughs> now that I say it out loud. It definitely sounds busy and I just, <laughs> I think it's really cool. As a, I, I did, I'm a journalism guy, print journalism guy. Okay. I mean, I didn't ever expect to end up on the PR side and here I am, but yeah, um, it's just, yeah, you never know where it's going to take you, but uh, you work hard enough, you get, you get opportunities. So, uh, and, and something that, I mean, the thing that I always think about, like I, for years, and I feel, I felt this when I was a student athlete, I felt this when I was on SAC, like only smart people get, or, or only like the best get, to be at the top, right? Or get to be in the big rooms. And like you have to, you will have, you know, they are the smartest, they are the best, you cannot touch them. You, you know what I mean? Like it is inherent in them that they get there. And I think the thing that I've learned over the last couple of years, the more, like I've, I've gotten so lucky to work with some of the smartest journalists in DC, knowing some of the smartest journalists in DC, being in the room with a lot of these people. And the thing that I've learned the most and that I now share with people is like, they're not that different. <laughs> like they are very smart, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of it is like luck and someone taking a chance on you. Um, yeah. And I've taken that as like a, a you know, we all get, all get a little imposter syndrome. So I kind of take that to remind myself all the time actually, when I'm in these rooms, I'm like, oh my God, how did I get here? That I got here just like everyone else did, by kind of like being ready when someone else is ready to give you a chance, right? Like being prepared, keeping your head down, not focusing on, you know, bouncing to different places, which is kind of at the beginning of my career, I had this plan. I was gonna go here and I was gonna here and here. Um, and so it's not that I now just like sit back and let my career happen, right? I concentrate on the job that I have. And um, the thing, of, and I, and I, I'm juggling a lot. And what's funny is that as a student athlete, we juggle a lot, right? Like, we, like I, I've been trained my whole life to have an insane schedule. Um, I'm not as good as, it'd be more helpful if somebody was reminding me to eat and drink water like they did in college. <laughs> There's no one doing that. So I'm like having a fourth spot. I'm like, oh, right, it's 7.30. I haven't eaten anything. Um, that would not have happened in college. But it's like that same juggling act, right? Like. And then every, everything that I added, like when I was um, SAC chair, you know, I traveled, I think the year, so the year I was vice chair, I remember Southwest, you know, Southwest gives you the A-list or whatever. Yeah. If you travel, I think it's like 25 flights. And I got that by like August or September um, when I was vice chair. And so I was like always going somewhere. Um, and so being a student athlete, specifically being on SAC was, like the thing that prepared me to juggle all of these things. And all of our liaisons were promising us that. They were like, this will pay off. And I was like, really, will it? Cause I'm tired, you know, like, but <laughs> and now I look back, I'm like, oh, Katie was right. Katie Willett was 100% right. It, like they, it does prepare you in this way that you don't anticipate when you're a 21 year old know-it-all like I was um, that all of those little things and all of those little lessons will end up paying off even though like 
being a college student athlete and being a White House reporter kind of basically have nothing to do with each other. All those lessons, all those lessons still come back every once in a while. No, that's an awesome connection. And um, I really appreciate you weaving together those experiences without even me teeing it up. So. <laughs> well, because it, it is, <laughs> well, because it is, a th like I do, um, it, it really does prepare people for that. And I, you know, I, um, just being a student athlete in general is like, the juggling and having to do all of that. But when you add on, you know, all of these meetings, I learned how to be concise. I learned how to like perform as I guess probably the best, like perform in front of really important people and like pretend like I knew what I was talking about even though I was like shaking and sweating, which is now basically most of my job, right? Like talking to important people while I'm sweating and shaking. Um, and, um, you know, being like it, being organized and having, you know, my to do, you know, having a notebook with my to do list, which is was something I learned, um, you know, in, in those days. And um, it had it prepared, prepared me in a way that I, I didn't think it was going to. And, you know, I'm always, I was, I was confused then and now I'm still very confused. Like any student athlete who's not doing SAC in some way, on some level, um, is missing a huge opportunity to like gain more experience than you ever thought you could. Like even talking to like uh, Mark Emmert and like I talked to Mark Emmert. I remember, you know, I remember having personal conversations with him and him remembering who I was because I was the student athlete advisor committee chair. You know what I mean? So it's like those kinds of things that um, do end up setting you up for talking to powerful people in Washington, DC, right? Like he was the president of the NCA and at some point I probably will speak to Joe Biden. You know what I mean? And those kinds of things are are um, nice to know that I got them. Um, I got I got I got trained up a little bit at, in my early twenties. For sure, and it may not. I had a question down, and it may be less relevant considering you were political science major at one point anyway. Um, but just when I think of SAC and the national, like our federal government, I I kind of see you know the NCA the way it's structured isn't all that different from. The way our government's structured, you have committees, you have you know certain processes uh, to get legislation passed. Uh, is there any connection between kind of just that foundational knowledge of how one works and maybe at all how that helped you kind of transition to this role? Yeah, yeah, they move slow. <laughs> government, government, and the NCA move slowly, right? Like they're yeah. set up to do that. Um, and you know, it is you kind of get this inside look as a you know in your twenties of. Um, being an, an inside look at bureaucracy and how it works and the kinds of things that gum up the works. You know what I mean? The NCA does great work, the government does great work, but a lot of the time there are there are things that have nothing to do with the legislation at hand that gum it up and keep it from happening, right? Um, and that learning that, cause I did, I saw so I stepped back from political science. I was a political science major and then changed over to journalism. So I minored in it. Um, and so I didn't spend a, I got more out of watching bureaucracy at the NCA than I did, honestly, um, from my classes, because it's like that hand, firsthand ex knowledge and experience. Cause I think when you're, when you were vice chair, you're on the legislative committee. And when you were the chair, you're on the leadership committee. I think that was how it worked back then. Um, and there was, this was also a time when the conversation around likeness was happening. And I remember being in a meeting when one of the, it was either one of the conferences or one of the um, big universities was doing a television channel. 
And we had a certain stance. I can't, I could not tell you what the stance was. Um, Cause again, 10 years. Um, wow, 10 years, it's been a long time. Um, but like that, the stance that we had and I was there to, on behalf of the student athletes to present that. And it wasn't leadership or legislative, it was, it was like specifically this issue around universities having, universities and conferences having um, channels and what that meant and likeness and all of that. And I remember saying something and like I said, I still get I still get nervous talking in front of people, though it's mo like it is like 85% of my job. It really, it really it takes up a lot of time. Um, and now like you even when I like I go on CNN and MSNBC, I remember being just as scared of that as I was to talk in these meetings with these powerful people. And I, I presented our case and someone said to me, no offense, Eugene, but I have socks older than you. Um, and I quipped back because I was like really nervous. And I said, well, that just feels like you need to buy new socks. And everyone kind of laughed. And, and, and afterward, um, the person who said that, I'm not gonna say who it was, but they reached out to our liaison, the SAC liaison and was like, that Eugene's going places because he's not scared of people. And so like I took from that lesson, again, that like all these people are just like, us every like every student athlete who's like who is scared to speak up every human that is worried they're going to look dumb or someone's going to say something rude to them or something like that like they also have those exact same fears you know what i mean and once you kind of get over this idea of adults being like the smartest among you when you're in college you can kind of do anything right like you can you can you can like you can be respectful obviously because you're respectful to everyone but like you realize like Oh, they're just like a normal person, and I can, I can joke, and I can, you know, you know what I mean, and I can disagree respectfully with them, just like I can with our, my teammates or whatever. Um, I know the answer to this probably already, but is there a normal day as a white horse? Oh my God, no. Um, and the White House correspondent and the playbook thing make it extra abnormal. Um, and so. No, there is not a normal day. No, there is not a normal day at all, um, which I like um, because the same thing could be said for student athletes. So I think I've always kind of been excited about this idea of like, what's happening today? Um, and so what that forces you to do, and again, hearkening back to my time as a student athlete, is that you kind of have to be centered in a way. Like you, you kind of have to have like a, um, a, a foundation of like organization, kind of knowing what you already want to get out of the day because all these other distractions and other things like playbook comes out every day. Sometimes I'm the person that has to be like the last look in the morning. Um, but, well, before the editor, cause I am not, he's in charge. Um, and so I have to be up at five in the morning and then I do TV seven, eight or something like that. And I also do the, some of the diversity and inclusion stuff um, at, at the organization. So I'm, you know, so like I'm involved in all these different things, um, which I force myself to do as a student athlete, right? And so back to that juggling. Um, and so yeah, the days are never, ever, ever the same. Like Wednesday is my day to go to the White House and um, to the White House press briefing for Politico, which I haven't done yet, so I'm like super excited. Um, and so like that day will be completely crazy. And so I have no idea how that's gonna turn out because like 
what is what is the what questions am I going to ask? I don't know yet. Like, what is, how are they going to react? Like, is that does that create news? All of these different things um, that are just kind of fascinating. Uh, my wife and I, aside, are watching West Wing right now, going through. It. <laughs> She's like talking to somebody who's in the White House press corps. I'm like, yeah. it seems it's much cooler. Um, pre-pandemic, I'm sure. I think after the pandemic's over, it'll be a little bit more um, fun, but we can't go as often. And there's like all these procedures and you have to get a COVID test before a certain time and only a certain amount of people can get there. And I don't have a hard pass yet because I just started being on the White House team. And so we now have to wait for a hard pass. The one time I did forgot my ID. So it's just like things that you're learning a lot. <laughs> learning a lot. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um, can you take me back to how you got involved in SAC? Um, was that kind of by accident too? Or what, what, can you walk me through that, that backstory? 100% by accident. Um, Angelo Weiss was the SAC, was kind of like in charge, charge of SAC at Colorado State. And the whoever, I was a freshman, I think, or yeah, freshman, like a redshirt freshman, because my very first year in college. And then the second semester, whatever football player was supposed to go to the SAC meeting, for, you know, weekly or whatever it was, stopped going. Um, not a big surprise. Um, so he stopped going and they were like, we need a nerd kid who will do it. And my, literally the coach was like, Eugene, you're on SAC. And I was like, okay. Like, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it means. Um, so I started doing that in that same, um, semester for the Mountain West, the Mountain West, I think they're just the MW right now, like Mountain, just Mountain West and not the NWC. The Mountain West Conference had their stack meeting and it was in Colorado Springs. My parents lived in Colorado Springs. So I was already going to be home for their May meeting. Um, and so I just ended up going. Like it was just like, good, he's here, send that nerd. And so I went to that. Um, and I just, I remember just being like obsessed obsessed with this idea of people who would are the busiest and you know the you're doing the most for the universities but you have like no power having some kind of power right like having some kind of say in the in the process um and i just got obsessed with that and and um kind of just like as I usually do, just kind of like glom onto things that I, my partner calls it micro obsessed and macro obsessed. So there's like little things that like, they last a week or two, but then there's some like Beyonce that lasts for <laughs> decades, you know? So it's like, that is kind of not, now that he said that, I'm like, wow, that is kind of how my life has always been. So I got macro obsessed with this idea of student athletes with some kind of voice. And that's exactly what I ended up doing. Um, and I don't even, I think, the person who was our national SAC representative was graduating. And so she was like, Eugene, you're obsessed. You should do it. And I was like, I'm not going to be a, then no one's going to pick me. And so I did, they did pick me, uh, which I was quite surprised about. Um, and my first meeting was a January convention meeting, I think. I'm pretty sure it was a January convention meeting. And I actually had to vote because as a proxy. Mm because whoever, whatever they were supposed to vote on, our person couldn't be there, like the Mountain West Conference person couldn't be there. 
So they gave me the the like voting device. I think I have a picture somewhere. Um, and which, you know, student athletes weren't technically supposed to do it, but because but because like I was picked by the the conference, I was able to. I don't know if it's happened since then. Here, let me see if I have a picture. And I feel like Take all I feel like I do. Yeah, that's a perfect one. Yeah. Yeah, I have a whole folder just called All Things National Sack on here. So yes. Um yeah, there's a lot. There's some pictures I won't send you. I don't want to embarrass anybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, where, that picture's in here somewhere. And I just look at like a terrified. Yeah, this is it. If you can see that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that was like the, they gave me that little device, and I. Oh my god! I have like this baggy suit on. Um, Jackie Jordan Kersey was there. Yeah. So it's just like this, and so. After that, I realized that I just really liked the idea of like 31 people coming from all over the country and just like finding a common ground and taking that to another group of people who you would have to fight with and finding common ground there and kind of like doing that um, around the NCAA, which I, which I really love. Um, you mentioned some diversity and inclusion efforts within Politico. Your work, can you just expand on that at all or give some details or is that kind of just yeah yeah sure i mean it, there's no secret that the industry i'm currently in is not exactly mm -hmm. <laughs> um not exactly di a diverse place um and political recognized that and has recognized that kind of before a lot of other places have and um started to after you know in 2020 with the reckoning on race that was happening it, it was the question of what are, what's happening inside here like what does do people feel like they have more voice do they have like there are enough people here um and so it was all it, it was all about making the same kind of thing in sac right just like finding people who maybe didn't have a voice finding them bringing them into the table um and giving them one and uh you know i'm the chair of this recommendations subcommittee um we have all types of things that are going on that i can't really share probably but um the goal is to make sure that Politico looks like the country so that we can report on the country right like it is and it's not just about the you know the way people usually think the short-sighted way people usually think of diversity and that um it's just about race or just about gender right it's about everything it's about like do we have any vets in here that can that can cover the VA? Like, do we are there are there people who um, have you know are from single parent households? Or do we have someone like who's covering immigration? Like all these different things. Um, so yeah, so it's good. It's 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 again the same thing that I've I kind of always been interested in, which is helping people find a voice. Yeah, yeah. Where, where do you trace that back to? Hmm. I guess feeling like I didn't have one growing up. Uh, you know, I was, uh, my parents were military, we mostly lived in the South. Okay. And um, I was like a, you know, a gay kid. I did not, I didn't come out until I was 27, so super late. Um, and I was like bullied mercilessly in um, elementary school. And so I think I've always been 
attracted to this idea of like helping quote unquote, like the underdog. I don't know if that's the right, maybe that's not the right term. Um, the marginalized people who aren't supposed to be there. You know what I mean? Who feel like who the world doesn't want them to be in the room. Um, and something that I, when you are stack chair, I don't know if they still do this, but when we used to leave, they give us this book and everyone write like these really sweet, it's like this huge picture book thing. And um, it's in my closet. And people do like really nice things. And the thing that I kept seeing, the thing that I think like that hit me the most that like, and on, I'm, I cry a lot, so it made me cry, <laughs> was this idea of like, you made me feel like I, I belonged. And I think that has kind of like, is other, other than my job, right? Like me as a human, like that is the thing I'm always striving for is making sure that people feel like they belong wherever, wherever we are, where, wherever that place is. That's really special. Um, yeah, nice. it sounds it's very cheesy. It's for sure cheesy. It's very cheesy, but I'm fine with it being cheesy. I'm kind of cheese ball. Yeah, <laughs> I respect the cheese. No, no, no. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Um, curious, can you just run through your your career at Colorado State? I remember, I know you got injured and that ended your career, but what mm -hmm. at what point in your career was that? I tore my shoulder really early on. Um, I tore my labrum and had to have shoulder surgery. It still kind of hurts, um, actually. Damn. I should go chase that surgeon down. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I, I, I went to Colorado State because I think I had 10 official offers from D1 institutions. Um, and I went to Colorado State because the coaches that were there when I got there felt like a family. And I think that was kind of what I felt in high school. And that's what I was looking for. Um, and that's like why I chose Colorado State, right? Like it was a smaller town. Um, everyone was obsessed with the school. Like that part of it was really nice. And um, like looking back, like I don't, I don't like the idea of regrets. Like I don't think about them in that way. Um, I did not have the career in football that I thought, like I probably wanted to, you know what I mean? It also was a surprise that I was going to college for football because I really didn't think of it until people were like, hey, you want to go to college for football? And I was like, oh, I guess, sure. I didn't know that that was going to be a possibility. Like I just didn't, like in my head, I wasn't, I was going to go to college, but I wasn't going to be able to play football. So when the opportunity kind of popped up, I was like, I will absolutely do that. Um, and you know, my parents went through a divorce um, and I was really distracted and the shoulder thing happened. And so my football career was not what I wanted to be. I got out, I think I got out of it what I was supposed to, right? Um, which is all of the lessons that come with adversity, all the lessons that come with like camaraderie on a football team, all the things from SAC and um, student media and all of those things. So, so I, I got everything I needed out of it, though, you know, I'm sure some people will look and say like, what a disappointing career. And I never thought of it that way, right? Like I, it felt like I had to, like I wasn't just there to play football. There's nothing wrong with people that just play the sport, right? And focus on that sport. 
because that's already enough to do, right? Like that is, like I said, like that's so much for that the student athletes are dealing with. But um, I felt like I was supposed to do more than more than that, and I, that's what I that's what I got out of college football. Um, curious your take on just you mentioned just finding your voice and uh, you know, student athletes across the country this past year have collectively found their voice uh, in a number of areas, whether it be social and racial injustice, um, all sorts of inequities. Uh, just from your perspective, how cool is it to see um, that group of people um, really find that collective voice and, and use it? It's amazing because I remember us being that same age and people not taking us seriously. Um, I remember, you know, the woman, you know, the person that said that thing about socks, like we heard stuff like that all the time. Um, and dealing with know-it-all adults of which I am now one, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and so watching teenagers, young people, um, that are student athletes who already know that there are so many eyes on them and that you have to behave, right? Like you can't embarrass the university and you can't shake things up. It's BS, right? Like it's BS. Your job is to represent the university. Your job is also to hold the university and the industry accountable. And that's what SAC was about. As you know, there are times where I think we were too worried about the embarrassing the NCAA part or too worried about being the kids that were like shaking the table. But I'm so thankful that young people now don't give a crap about that. Like they truly don't, like they're like, we will kick down the door. We will build our own table. We will let you know what our issues are in this country. Um, and specifically for student athletes, like, only a, there's only a, like a minority of the country that can understand what it's like to play in Division One, Two, or Three, right? Like there's like it is not it is not a huge group of people, and so when we would hang out with Division the, the Division Two and Division Three sacks, though we were playing different sports, and you know there was always the fight over resources because it was Division One and there, you know, um, and those conversations, but there was always this through line of like, we have to find that voice. We have to like tell these people what we mean. And I think that's because of what happened in 2020, student athletes feel that even more. And I think it, if I had anything to say to people that work at the NCAA or, the, or that are at the institutions or at the conferences, is that you should be listening to student athletes because they know better than you. And I see that as someone who's been there, because you know you would have a president tell you something like that's not how it works on the ground at all, right? Like it's not how it works. And you know if if the NCA was this bureaucracy, the student athletes are like the mayors and local leaders that have to go talk to the governors and the congressmen and women and the other lawmakers and the senators and the president, right? Like because we were on the ground and they are still on the ground. They know what's going on. They know how it actually plays out. And so it's a good thing that they're able to remind the people that make the legislation, that pass it, that that have to go and implement it. Um, like this is how it works for us. And it's not fair or it works, but it, or it's, you know, like here, here are the tweaks. And I think, you know, there's, I always think it's a good thing that there's more people at a table personally. 
for sure. No, I think they've done a better job of getting that student athlete perspective. Um, but I, I think there's so much more room to grow there. Oh, um, 100%. And I mean, we felt that. Like, we felt like people were like, sometimes we felt like we were just there for sure. We talked about that, you know. Um, but I think there were times when we were like, oh, we do. This is important. Like, this is really important work and people are paying attention to us. And I think now it's that a hundredfold. For sure. Um, well, I kind of hit the main questions I had. Is there anything else as regard to kind of your story um, that you think I missed or you want to include? Okay. I think that probably, I think, no, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say anything about your job or just kind of anybody who, who, who's your, your famous interactions? You got those. <laughs> I think my favorite thing, and I'm scared to say it out loud because I feel like you'll unfollow it, is like Lin-Manuel Miranda followed me recently. Oh. Uh, I Right? But I'm so scared. I like go and check every, matter of fact, I should check right now. Um, <laughs> if like he, like she was like, oh, I did that on accident. Cause like <laughs> we ne <laughs> we've never interacted. Yeah, still happening. Okay, good. Um, and so I'm just like, always, I'm like, whatever you tweet, whatever you tweet, don't piss off them and well more. So I think that's the, that's probably my, the one that I think about the most. Um, Patricia and Arquette and I tweeted at each other recently, which was weird, the actress. Um, so I think it's 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 interesting because, and I the thing that I'm always coming back to, and I did this I, in when I was on SAC too, is like, why the hell does anyone want to know what I think? And I think like a lot of people have that. And um, that, like now, like I go on CNN or MSNBC and like ask me questions about the world. And I'm like, y'all got the right person you know what i mean like it's just like i'm still getting used to um that part of part of the gig um even like the fact that i like work at like I, i've always wanted to work at a place like political and i never thought it was going to happen um so even though you know just working there like i'm still kind of getting my head around that and it's been two and a half years like i'm still kind of like oh my god you work at one of the biggest news organizations in the country Weird, <laughs> and you're on like one of two of their biggest teams. Weird. Um, and so I think, you know, the thing that I would say to student athletes and just young people in general is like, don't focus on like the naysayers because there are plenty of those and there are plenty of people and sometimes it's yourself that don't think you can do something. Um, focus on you, focus on like what you have to offer because at some point, someone will see it and you just have to like keep pushing and keep pushing. And student athletes know how to do that better than anyone on this planet, I think. For sure. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. Um, well, I really appreciate that. Um, of course. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for including me. No, thank you for being willing. And um, I, I know your life's crazy right now. <laughs> We'll keep following along. I'm an avid Politico reader, so. Oh, thank you. Excited to, to kind of see your work. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Yep, you too. All right, bye-bye.